And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 327. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris, and welcome along to the show. Don't have a lot to talk about here at the top of the show. It is summertime. It is hot. It is muggy. Uh, yeah, we've had just kind of a gross run here for the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, I mean, it's beginning of September, and we're going to start seeing some improvement shall we say thanks very much i do appreciate everybody's patience with us during this bi-weekly time and um we're just going to reward you right off the bat we're going to move right to our review cross the rainbow bridge of asgard where the booming heavens roar you behold in breathless wonder And this week we are looking at The Mighty Thor number 9. Came out in 2016. Cover artist is Russell Dowderman, inked by Matt Wilson. And shows uh, in the background uh, Oubliette Midas, who is the uh, mysterious bad guy woman who uh, was attacking Dario Agar last issue. And she is kind of in the background looming over the rest of the scene uh, in the foreground. We have Silver Samurai, and we have um, Roz Solomon, and we have Thor herself, and they are kind of kind of rushing towards the camera. It's obviously a uh, symbolic cover here, and uh, yeah, very dynamic, uh, basically tells you what's going to happen in the issue. Opening up into the story, we actually open in Asgardia, and we show... Uh, Lady Freya, and she is, remember, she was stabbed by Loki with poison knives, and she is laying in a bed, and she's undergoing some sort of blood transfusion or something thereabout. She's got these uh, pipes going into her, and there's little glows on the pipes, like little magical glows, and we see that sitting at her side is uh, Loki, at least the apparition of Loki. I'm not sure if he's actually there. Uh, there's also one of these uh, nurse people, like guardian doctor type people, who has this really weird sort of antler thing coming out of his or her head. And uh, Odin is apparently the one who's giving uh, Freya the transfusion. He's got like the uh, the tubing in his arm, and the doctor is kind of magicking something here. And uh, we have um, various people talking here. They were going to kill you, says Loki. Malekith, that was his plan all along. You, as the All-Mother, frightened him. He wants a Borson on the throne of Asgard. Whether that's Odin or his brother Cool, Malekith doesn't care. One is just as good as the other when it comes to being headstrong and stubborn and willfully blind to the plight of the other realms. And while this is going on, we have the nurse and, and they're talking with Odin. My lord, you cannot keep doing this day after day. Even one of your omnipotence will surely let her drink every last drop if that's what it takes. 
And uh, Loki is continuing to talk here. Asgard will stay out of the War of Realms until it is too late. Malekith was going to ensure that one way or the other. That's why I had to act, Mother. That's why I had to be the one to... to save you. I swear, just this once, I'm not lying. Though for that to be true, it means that you cannot die, Lady Freya. Please don't die, Mother. Please don't. And we have this sort of uh, dissolving of this image of Loki and is going away, and we see in the background Odin is still giving uh, the transfusion. And we then have the splash page, and it says, The mighty Thor, distracted by his crusade against Thor, Odin left Asgard susceptible to attack, and it was his wife Freya who paid the price. But it seems Loki's motives for stabbing his mother may have been less than murderous. Hmm? Confronted by his associates about his secret business dealings in Svartalfheim and Alfheim, Dario Agar made it known that he planned to take the Ten Realms for himself. This news didn't sit well with his partners, leading to two of them, the Silver Samurai and the Exterminatrix, removing Agar from the group. Though Odin has abated his war against her, Jane hasn't escaped scrutiny. S.H.I.E.L.D. is keeping a close eye on her, determined to figure out her connection to Thor. Luckily, with the help of Agent Roz Solomon, she has been able to continue her search for Agar. Title of the story is The Agar Imperative. Jason Aaron was the writer, Russell Dowderman was the artist, Matthew Wilson is the color artist, VC's Joan Sabino is the lettering and production person, uh, Aaron Cooter and Matthew Wilson did the variant covers, Charles Beecham is the assistant editor, Will Moss is the editor, Tom Brevort is the executive editor, Axel Alonzo is the editor-in-chief, Joe Casada was the chief creative officer, Dan Buckley is the publisher, and Alan Fine is the executive producer. Thor was created by Larry Lieber, Jack Kirby, and Stan Lee, not necessarily in that order, and we open their story in Midgard, the Southern Ocean, and got icebergs and stuff floating around. And we have Roz Solomon, and she is in her sporty red flying shield car. And it's a convertible, and she's got the top down. And Thor is kind of hovering in the air next to her. Um, is this new to the just this version of Thor, the, the sort of hovering thing? I don't remember this. And, and maybe it seems odd that I don't remember this. Usually I thought Thor would just fly by flinging his hammer and grabbing onto it. That's traditionally what happened. But the sort of hovering thing... It does seem to be new, uh, though I could be wrong about that. Anyway, uh, so Thor is hovering next to the car, and I get that the car can hover because, you know, shield car, but anyway. Um, and uh, Roz Solomon is telling Thor what to look for as she dives into the water. You'll know it when you see it. I have the eyes of a goddess, but I see naught but ice and empty ocean. Why have we come to this place? And what does this have to do with Dario Agar of Roxon? Everything, says Roz. A few months ago, I was approached by a disgruntled Roxxon programmer. He was thinking of breaking his NDA and spilling the beans on his employers. He wouldn't tell me much, but he did keep mentioning something called Ice Station Prime. Commencing advanced radar scan, says the car. Roxxon's main computer hub, hidden somewhere in the southern ocean. He never gave me the exact coordinates, though. And two days after I met him, the brakes and seatbelts on his Roxham sports car mysteriously failed, and he was dead. If I had just kidnapped Dario Agar and was looking to destroy his entire company, an eventuality I may have possibly given some serious thought to, my next step would be taking out this Ice Station Prime. 
I've been searching this area for months now, and I haven't found uh, uh, She's distracted by Thor whispering sweet nothings to her hammer. And she um, <laughs> is saying, Be swift, Mjolnir. Find the rocks on base. And uh, Roz is like, Sorry, should I leave you two alone? And Mjolnir goes zipping off and splashing into the ocean. And Thor can't stay afloat, apparently, without Mjolnir. So she steps onto the car hood and uh, is talking to Roz. If this ice station is anywhere near, Mjolnir will uncover it. Okay, cool. Neat trick, Thor. Also super creepy, Roz thinks to herself. And we see the hammer going down into the ocean, down, down, down. Uh, goes past a couple of whales. Uh, really beautifully drawn, um, as a lot of this stuff is. We find that computer hub. It just might give us the evidence we need to finally bring rocks on crumbling down, says Roz, to make them pay for what they've done to this planet and all the people they've crushed along the way. For what they did to Broxton, Oklahoma, says Thor, uh, because that happened back in uh, Thor God of Thunder 19 through 24. Right. I was there. I saw what happened to Broxton. And Roz is thinking to herself, what does she know about Broxton? Who is this lady? And um, Thor is thinking to herself, shouldn't have said that. Yodin's son may have trusted this woman, but he didn't have a secret to hide. So, you believe Agar has been kidnapped by his corporate rivals? Says Thor. Given the scene at the bank, yeah, that's my hunch. And you believe they mean harm to Roxon? Perhaps even to Agar himself? Doesn't everyone? Then I have a very important question for you, Agent Solomon. Why exactly should we attempt to stop them? That is an important question, says Solomon. And if there wasn't an equally important answer, believe me, I'd be ready to knock off early and sip some Mai Tais by the pool. But I'm afraid there is such an answer. It's called the Agar Imperative, and it's something we have to avoid at all costs. And we shift scenes, it says, meanwhile, not far away, and it's like a, a cave, and it uh, all looks like it's all carved out of ice, and there's an elevator there with a big red light, and there's a bunch of desks, and not desks in the term of like, like office cubicles, they're like big old console desks like you have on Star Trek, and there's a bunch of you know, glowing lights, a very high-tech, non-button-pushing kind of tech, it's more like, uh, you know, swishing your finger along a surface tack, you know, if, if you know what I mean. Anyway, so they're all working around here, and there's uh, you know, various people, and they're kind of doing computer stuff. So this is obviously the base that Mjolnir is looking for. And we have the, an alarm klaxon going off here. Warning, this facility is under attack. Threat level Omega. Lethal force is authorized and encouraged. And there's a supervisor, there's a heavyset African-American woman. She's like, Doomsday scenario is in effect. Status update, people. And there's a, a young woman who says, Satellite upload at 79%. All servers are set to fry before being accessed. Still triangulating the nanite tracking agent in Mr. Agger's blood. Should have a GPS lock any second now, says a heavyset guy. Ready to deploy the berserker squad, says another woman. The Zerkers? Have they even been field tested yet? We don't have time for field testing. This is not a drill, folks. We are counting down until the agro imperative kick in. And we all know that... And there's a bunch of soldiers come bursting in and they're carrying guns and stuff. We have multiple units down and target incoming. Anyone not chained to a terminal, stand up and fall in now. 
and this one uh, person is thrown a um, a gun, and it's a young like looks like an Indian guy, like India from India guy, and um, and the, and he is like, but. I went to MIT. Then you're smart enough to use this, says the soldier. Let's go. And and the uh, door of the elevator is glowing, and they're starting to melt, and this sort of looks like uh, electrical sputtering or fire or something. It's kind of burning through the door, and the soldier's like, contact is imminent. Open fire. And they open fire, and there is the silver samurai on the other side. And the silver samurai is swooshing his sword around and deflecting all of the bullets as they're firing at him. Does not look the least bit troubled uh, by by all of this. And he just wades in doing his uh, kung fu moves and um, flipping his sword around. And he says, you brought machine guns to a sword fight. Sucks to be you. And he's kind of slicing through all the soldiers. And we got one of the techs, and he's laying on the ground with his hands up. And he's like, wait, I'm just a tech. Please don't kill me, Mr. Harada. I, I wrote a paper on you in college. I got a B plus. Then I suppose you can guess what this is, he says. And he pitches down like a hand grenade sort of thing. And the, the kid is like, oh, God. And there's a big explosion. Boom. And Harada's flying off already. He's uh, shooting up with his boot jet things. And he says, this is Harada. Control room disabled. Dagger imperative is a go. We'll rendezvous in. And he goes, ugh. And he goes, ugh, because he is hit by a hammer. Uh, the hammer goes clang against his back. And he goes falling. In the meanwhile, in the car, Thor is sitting there with Solomon, and she's got her seatbelt on, so it's very, very safety conscious of her. Uh, and then she's like, "Found it that way." Roz is driving off, and she's saying, "Some hammer you got there, lady? What else can it do?" I wish I knew. Thinks Thor to herself. Watch, and you will see, Agent Solomon, is what she says out loud. And she goes diving into the ocean. Uh, does like a big old swan dive. And Roz says, oh, oh, I'll be doing more than watching. And this liquid metal like comes flowing up over the top of her car. So she's putting the, the hood up on her car, so to speak. And uh, the car goes diving down into the water also. And there's a big iceberg there. And they go down. And you can see through the water this... Um, uh, this data center is on the underside of a giant iceberg, kind of anchored into the ice, kind of modular thing. Probably looks like almost like they created the iceberg around it. So they built the base and then the base generates its own ice and just kind of floats there as an iceberg so nobody can find it, which would make sense. And that would actually be kind of a clever way of doing it. But anyway, um, we see that uh, the Silver Samurai is still there and uh, he's saying... Um, Sorry, Oubliette, but now I'm going to be late for that rendezvous. What is it, Shin? What's happening, says Oubliette over the radio. Nothing I can't handle, says Harada. And just as he says that, Thor comes bursting in through the wall of the iceberg. And she's got Mjolnir in her hand, and she's coming to attack. And he's got his uh, laser sword, lightsaber, samurai thing out, and is getting ready to attack back. Thor hits him across the face with a bam, knocks him back. And Thor's saying, I have him. He is armored and wielding a sword. And uh, we have a radio voice. A sword? Chances are it's 
The Silver Samurai, he says. Tell whomever you're talking to that it's the Silver Samurai who's kicking your ass. And he swipes at her with his sword and knocks her back with a hoo. And uh, doesn't seem to be really too bothered by it. She comes back and she's like, My ass doth disagree. And Harada's like, Not for long, Sailor Moon. And uh, there's a big uh, Shazafazoom, which is hard to read because it's done a very creative sound effect with lightning. And yeah, this kind of read... It's hard to read, but it does actually convey what what is happening here. And that is the Silver Samurai is being blasted with lightning uh, emanating from Mjolnir. And uh, Silver Samurai punches Thor in the face. And he's like, thanks. That'll really help my battery life. And uh, knocks Thor back. And goes taking, kind of taking off into the sky to gain some distance. And Thor is uh, down, uh, down on the ground. He's, he's kind of shooting energy at her out of his gloves. And uh, he's saying, you're new at this, right? I'm guessing you haven't fought Iron Man yet. In one of those civil wars you people like to have from time to time. I'm like Iron Man. If Iron Man was cool and knew karate and carried a badass sword. And he's, he's kind of beating up on Thor. Gets a... Uh, Got some first blood in, kind of hits her and break, busts her lips, and she's got some blood coming out of her mouth. The um, voice of Ra's Solomon coming over the, uh, the uh, radio. Thor, you still there? You didn't break my earpiece, did you? Listen, Shingen Harada is a serious dude. He's the super genius head of Yashida Industries, linked to the Yakuza, trained by the ninjas of the hand. He's like Iron Man if Iron Man was... About to be bludgeoned repeatedly with a hammer, says Thor. It's a bold move by Harada declaring war on Roxxon like this. Too bold. Something tells us our new friend, the Silver Samurai, isn't acting alone. And we shift scenes, and we are in an airplane, a gold airplane, and probably a solid gold airplane, if, uh, if everything that we've been reading about Midas till now is true. And um, we have Oubliette Midas, and she's still in her gimp costume, and she's uh, got uh, Dario Agar chained up, and he's in some kind of a, looks like a frame or chair. It's not really a chair, so I guess it's just kind of like a metal frame or something, and it's wired up with electricity, and uh, he's got uh, like electrodes taped all over his body. Looks like he's been cut up, like sliced up with a knife or something. And he's mostly naked. He's uh, he's got the kind of the remains of his clothes on, and a pair of shorts because they can't show a naked, naked dick on uh, the Thor comic even now. And uh, so Ubliet is uh, saying, uh, "You've been awfully quiet these last few thousand miles, busy plotting your daring escape, Mister Agger. I'm just, I'm deciding how I want to kill you, Miss Midas." So far, I've narrowed it down to the top 25 most horrendously painful options. Right. Well, speaking of pain, and she presses a little switch and it sends electricity going through through agar and it's like, Arrgh! and he's like frying. That's just a reminder of what should happen if you should try to invite your friend the Minotaur to her little party. Did I say top 25? It's back up to 50. And uh, he's kind of sitting here smoking. And Oubliette's like, Look at me, Dario. I'm Oubliette Midas. My father was an irradiated sadist who named me after an instrument of torture. 
and raised me to be his personal murder doll. Do you really think I'm a stranger to pain? And Agar is sitting here and his eyes are glowing like he's trying to transform. And Agar is saying, Good thing your old man didn't live to see this. You running his beloved Midas Foundation into the ground. There'll be nothing left when I'm through with you, girl. I will tear down every trace of your company and sell it for scrap. I'll auction your father's bones to the highest bidder. That's right. Keep talking, Dario. I read your ex-wife's tell-all biography. Apparently talking is one of the few things you're actually good at. That's certainly all I need you to do. You already told me the location of your secret ice station facility. Do you even remember doing that? It only took one of these needles and a few cc's of liquid coercion. And she's, um, has a, like a big tray of, like, surgical instruments and torture implements, and they're all, looks like they're all made of solid gold. We have, like, a cat of nine tails made of barbed wire, and we've got scalpels and forceps and those big, big, huge hypodermic needles. Um, they've got this sort of flesh grabby thing. It uh, looks like a forceps that bites, and it's got these big sharp edges on it, and there's lots of blood on the tray. Like she's been, she's been torturing him all along. And you can see in one of the panels, they, they show kind of back shot of what um, Agar is, is t- chained to, and he's kind of tied to this like T bar, like metal T bar. It looks like she's uh, really cut up the bottoms of his feet with uh, with one of these blades. Uh, so there's like blood all over his feet and all over the floor. What will you tell me when I stab you with all three? She means the needles. Um, the combination to the vaults and rocks on island, the password to your private bank accounts, all your deepest, darkest, dirtiest little secrets. I'll tell you to go to hell right before I put my fist through your heart. And there's an alarm. Warning, hostile vessels detected, contact imminent. Or maybe someone else will save me the trouble, says Agar. And we see that there are rocks on helicopters, and they're following this uh, gold jet. And it's saying on the radio, Attention, enemy corporate combatant. This is the Roxxon emergency response team. Your plane is surrounded. Hand over our CEO, or you will never leave these skies alive. Autopilot, stay the course, says uh, Oubliette. And there are these big, huge, uh, just demon things i guess they're some sort of construct they they look like the mindless ones so they they could be like from one of these doctor strange dimension kind of things they they look very steve ditko and they are they just look like they just are good soldiers trained to do nothing and um she orders them you two keep an eye on our guests i shouldn't be long and uh, they they don't respond but there's one of them has an empty thought balloon so yeah they get the idea they're not real smart. And Oubliette opens a hatch in the airplane and goes uh, somersaulting out. Uh, we get a gratuitous ass shot, and she is shooting her guns uh, at the, um, the helicopters. And it's a, it's a very dynamic action shot, but you kind of wonder how this works. <laughs> Just kind of jumping out of a plane. Ah! <laughs> Nothing is actually going on. Anyway, and we have a shift in scenes here. And we are in Asgardia, and this voice, We didn't come here to looking for trouble. It's up to you how this goes down. We're here to serve a lawful search warrant. And it's these two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents from last time we, uh, 
We saw them last issue, and they are in the throne room of Odin. Though the person sitting on the throne is not Odin, it is Cool Borson. And you can see that the, you know, the throne is damaged from the battle that happened a couple of issues ago. And there's guards around, and they're like, holding these big old hammers. Yeah, so these shield agents are here in Asgardia, and they've got some paperwork. It's the, the same guys from, from last time. And uh, they go, we're here as agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from Earth, Midgard, whatever. We're here to search the quarters of Jane Foster, with your royal permission, of course, or without. Colborson reacts, I must say my first inclination is to have your heads forcibly removed from your shoulders and catapulted back to Midgard. But Jane Foster and her Congress of Worlds have proven themselves to be a source of some annoyance to this court. Just yestermorn, they dared demand that one of my Thunderguard be stripped of his hammer, because they say he brutalizes trolls without cause. The cause is that they're trolls! If there's a chance this investigation of yours could leave me with one less senator-sized thorn in my side, then by all means, allow my guards to show you to Jane Foster's quarters. And perhaps someone should round up the good congresswoman herself. Oh, that won't be necessary, Mr. Cool. Or even likely most possible. Something tells me that Ms. Foster has her hands full elsewhere. And we are back in the uh, Southern Sea. And the Silver Samurai and Thor and Roz Solomon are there. Thor is whipping the hammer at Silver Samurai. It's kind of doing its whoosh, whoosh, whoosh thing around him. And uh, <laughs> he's like, enough with the hammer. I'm wearing $2 billion worth of cutting-edge technology, and you're coming at me with the third best invention of the Stone Age. I don't care if it's sprinkled with your magic pixie dust, Tinkerbell. You're still outclassed by several millennia when it comes to... The hammer starts to hit him. It's like, gah! <coughs> and uh, knocks him down. And uh, Mjolnir comes back to Thor's hand, and uh, Roz is there, and she got her gun pulled, and she's going up to him. Because, you know... You're going to go run up to a guy with armor with a, a pistol. That's going to work. And you're under arrest, Power Ranger. We'll make sure you get a nice cutting-edge cell, laser bars and everything. Now, please. God, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Please tell me you haven't hurt Dario Agar. And not surprisingly, the Silver Samurai was kind of playing possum. Goes bursting out the side of the, uh, of the laboratory into the ocean. And he says, I wouldn't worry about Agar. He'll at least outlive the two of you. And the window is smashed and the ocean is pouring in. Uh, still a few of the uh, Roxxon people here who've been kind of hiding and you know, avoiding the fight. And Roz is like, the whole base will flood in seconds. We've got to evacuate as many people as we can before... You should hold on to something, Agent Solomon. And uh, so something is about to happen. But we shift scenes... Back to uh, out of Oubliette's jet, uh, where she has managed to destroy all three of the Roxxon helicopters, and uh, they're they're going gar, and uh, yeah, it looks like Oubliette has landed on one of them and is uh, using it to uh, destroy the others, and finally coming back and uh, jumping out and landing on the wing of her airplane, and she's joined by the Silver Samurai who's flying up, and he says. Uh, to her, looks like I missed all the fun. And Oubliette says, fun? Oh no, my dear Shingen, this was purely business. 
and we go down into the uh, back into the ice base, and the ice base is being lifted out of the ocean by Thor and being thrown up into the sky or being flown up into the sky by Thor, as it were. And uh, Roz is uh, questioning the uh, Roxxon employees that are inside, and she's saying, "I'll only ask this once: Where's Agar?" And the guys, one of the employees, is saying. We need to talk to the Roxxon Legal Department. You're in the Southern Ocean, Pinhead. Ain't no lawyers out here. And my good friend, the Thunder Goddess, just saved your stupid lives. I know you're tracking Agar somehow, and you're going to tell me exactly where he is. And then you're going to shut down the Agar imperative. I can't. Once it started, it, it can't be. And Thor interrupts over the radio. What is this? Ugh. Agar imperative, and she's she's straining to keep the uh, the island out of the ocean, basically. And Solomon uh, says, Dario's contingency plan in the case of an attempted hostile takeover of Roxxon. Basically, it weaponizes Roxxon Island, turns it into the biggest floating time bomb on the planet, and aims it right at Manhattan. That way, Agar figures if he's not going to be around to rule Wall Street, no one else should have it either. And we see uh, the Silver Samurai and the gold jet plane and rocks on island all kind of floating above New York. And so this is obviously already going on. And Thor is, is continuing to hold the island up and um, uh, straining on, you can see. And Roz continues, And once the imperative has been initiated, apparently the only one who can stop it is Agar himself. Then our mission is clear, says Thor. We must save Dario Agar. Gods, help us all. And at, right at the moment she says that, we can see Oubliette Midas' hand uh, just thrusting all three of these big old hypodermics into Agar's neck. And Agar's going, Arrgh! And it is to be continued. And that is the Mighty Thor, issue number nine. And we'll be talking about this issue right after this message. Star Trek Comic books Mythology Video games Toys Star Wars Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast presented by Two True Freaks Come join me Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with, and be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And we are back, and we have a few things to say about the issue. First, this is more like it, isn't it? I mean, really it is. I mean, we've had a couple of issues here that have really been action-packed, a lot going on, um, and it's been really interesting and really cool. I mean, it's not just kind of endless conversations between Dario Agar and Malekith, and, and that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Still, the Roxxon thing is going on a little too long. We've complained about that before, but I have a feeling it's going to be going on for a while longer, so there you go. 
Anyway, uh, so yeah, really, really uh, tight storytelling here. Got a lot going on. It's just boom, boom, boom. Everything is happening in a really well-paced manner. The story is getting more energetic and more things are happening. Uh, we've got some good Thor action. We've got some, you know, basically just character stuff along the side. And, you know, all of our, uh, our plots have been addressed um, artwork, again, uh, has been really, really good. I, I like Russell Dowderman's work. Like I said, artwork in this issue, really, really good. You can see the, the artwork is still continuing to be fantastic. You know, and you can also see there's a little bit less attention being paid to things like composition and that, you know, um, you know the, the, having that little break uh, for those couple issues allowed uh, for Dowderman to do some really, really great stuff in the last two issues. Now I think we're just kind of back to the grind, and it's uh, it's still good art. I mean, still really, really well done art, but it's no longer quite as as good as it was over the last couple of issues, and this is just kind of back to the status quo. So, yeah, Dowderman's still doing a fine job. Um, I love this, the look of the new Silver Samurai. He looks really cool. Again, I, I don't really have a lot of exposure to this character uh, you know, over the last 30 years, but uh, you know, I, I do really like what they've done with him and yeah, making him like a basically Iron Man with a cool badass sword, as they say, uh, is pretty cool. I mean, I like that that particular concept the silver samurai is the sort of giant hulk character never really made sense to me because samurais weren't like that so i do kind of like this and this kind of vaguely insect-like armor it kind of takes you to uh you know power rangers and the different kind of uh, uh sentai series of, of you know it kind of does, definitely does have a japanese feel to it um you know, the like, common writers and that kind of thing. And, and I, I do like that, too. I don't know that it's really a great direction to go, but it makes sense that being a Japanese character, and so I'm, I'm fine with it, and, and we'll just see where this goes. All right, so that's about it for this week, folks. Uh, another great issue. Thank you very much for listening. Once again, thanks for uh, being patient with my uh, biweekly schedule at the moment. Uh, if you want to email the show, you can certainly email us. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. With that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>